would have been great uh, if I would have had my dad be in the Knights of Columbus Honor Guard, and that way the whole family could be involved in Mass today. It's my mom reading. How would you finish this sentence? <clears throat> now Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he... What does he do? Here's how I would finish that sentence. He went immediately to Lazarus' side and healed him because he had the power to do so because he was God. Surely you would say the same. But for some reason, God's ways are not our ways. And that's not at all what Jesus does. That's not how the sentence is completed in the Bible. Instead, the sentence reads this. Because Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, when he heard that he was ill, he stayed where he was. You got to be joking. That Jesus in his love <clears throat> does nothing. How many of you feel that? Maybe you got somebody who's ill, somebody who's suffering, something in your own life, and you're like, Jesus, help me. And apparently, according to our faith, the way that Jesus helps us is he does nothing. He lets us suffer. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are arguably, outside of the 12 apostles, probably Jesus' closest friends. We know that because anytime he went to Jerusalem, he stayed in Bethany. Bethany is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And so they were very close with him. They spent a lot of time with him. They knew him. And then their brother becomes sick. And so Martha and Mary, who have seen tons of miracles, they decide what's the best idea. The only logical thing is, let's get a hold of the miracle worker. He just so happens to be our best friend, too. Surely he will heal our dying brother whom he loves so much. The scripture even says that. When he, wait, when he weeps, it says, look at how much he loved Lazarus. So they sent word to Jesus to say, surely you who would heal blind people, who fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, you who healed the crippled man, made him walk, surely you will come and relieve our brother of his sickness. This is easy for you. But he doesn't come. <clears throat> Four days later he comes, and when he comes, I find this kind of, I guess, humorous a little bit. Mary, remember, you remember the story of Martha and Mary, right? Martha's doing all the work, Mary's sitting, and, you know, a paraphrase of the original Greek is, Martha said, Jesus, tell Mary to get off her butt and start helping me. Jesus says, no, Martha, you're wrong. Mary has chosen the better part. Mary loves me just for me. And now Mary won't even come out of the house. <laughs> she is so mad at him. She doesn't even go out to meet him. And, you know, Martha comes out, and I think you could probably, as you know, the wording of the scripture, it's really, yeah, it's really hard to, you know, grasp kind of the what, how she said, how people said stuff in the scriptures. And she comes out and what seemingly seems like an act of faith, she's like, Lord, if you would have been here, 
he wouldn't have died. But I don't think that's the way she said it. I think she's literally like hitting him. Like, if, and, and bawling, just like, if you would, why didn't you come? If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. It's your fault. It's your fault he's dead. I thought you said you loved us. I thought we were your friends. What did Martha and Mary want? They wanted this little miracle of healing. <clears throat> what did Jesus want to do? Jesus wanted to do something beyond their wildest imagination. He wanted to work for his best friends the greatest miracle in the Bible. He didn't want to just heal him. He wanted to raise him from the dead. You know, last week, if, if you do the year A readings, there's the story of the blind man in John's gospel. Right, and he can't see, and then Jesus spits on the ground, makes clay, and smears it on his eyes, this weird, freaky thing. You know, like, why are you spitting on me? But he makes this clay and Some scripture scholars say that, in fact, he wasn't just making like this mud and smearing it on the guy's face, that he was making clay and he was forming the man's eyes. That, in fact, the blind man was born without eyes. And that's why John gives a whole chapter to this miracle because everybody's up in arms. And that's why even the, the, you know, Martha and Mary, they're like, they heard about this. He made eyes for a man. Could he have not healed our brother? And then Jesus is taken before the tomb. And he says that pointed question to Martha and Mary. I am the resurrection and the life. There is nothing that is beyond my power. Do you believe this? And Martha and Mary say, yes, Lord, we believe this. But they don't. They don't. Because when he says, take away the stone. You know, if you believed it, you'd be like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but they don't. They say, it's going to stink. He's dead. And Jesus said, did I not tell you? If you believe all things are possible. And they take back the stone. And it says Jesus wept. Why does he weep? Sure he weeps because his friend Lazarus had to go through this. Sure he weeps that he hates death. He hates sin. But I think where his deepness of his pain comes from. Is everybody believes Jesus has met his match. What could he possibly do? The man's been dead four days. It's not like he just died. <clears throat> He's been dead four days. And Jesus has met his match. As if something's impossible for God to accomplish. I think that Jesus is challenging us, all of us in this church, to go home today to read this gospel again. And then to use the power of our imagination to build the scene and to see Jesus standing at our tombs. What do I mean by that? Your tomb could be anything. It could be a broken relationship, a troubled marriage, a lost job, an addiction you're dealing with, a child who has fallen away from the faith. It could be a bitterness in your heart about somebody that you haven't forgiven. It could be a wound from way back in the day that somebody gave to you. 
and that you have just resolved God can do nothing about this. Nothing. And you stand at that tomb and you see Jesus weeping because of our lack of faith. Half the time things don't change in our lives, I believe, because we don't really believe he can do it. We're like Martha and Mary. I believe you're the resurrection and the life. Take away the stone. No! You're crazy. I thought you said you believed. Do you believe that nothing is beyond his power? Or do you think that he meets his match in the weakness or the struggle of your life? We have to do everything we can do to see Jesus call forth a man who was dead and he walks out of a tomb. This is not a cute story. It is teaching us a truth. Jesus Christ brings dead things, especially dead hearts, back to life. He did it in my life. He can do it in yours. It's what God does best. Go ahead, take my son, kill him, hang him on a cross, and watch what I do. Watch what I do. We see Lazarus come forth from the tomb. I gotta be honest, have you ever thought, this is what I, sometimes my prayer gets derailed a little bit. I'm sure yours never does. But I, I got thinking about when I was praying about this, like, Lazarus comes out, you know, and like, what was supper like that night? They're all sitting around the table, you know, and Lazarus is like, what the? You know, and Jesus is just smiling. You know, maybe Lazarus was mad. Now I got to die again. I died once, Jesus. In case you didn't know, I was at the heavenly banquet, and now I'm at Martha's cooking. No, I find this stuff humorous. Do we ever think about that? But God wants to give you new life. He wants to heal you. He wants to raise you from the dead. Whatever you're, wherever you have resolved that he can't work. What you and I need more than anything in our lives is an unshakable confidence in God. No matter what match we're up against. No matter how much we pray and it seems like he's just not coming. Seems like he's just leaving us. He's abandoned us. Because the miracle of the raising of Lazarus never would have happened without his death. Without the suffering and pain they had to endure. They had to go through that for the greatest miracle in the Bible to happen. And sometimes we have to go through this pain and this suffering. And we got to trust that God knows what he's about. That he's got it. He's in control. And he knows what he's doing. We can either embrace these things and confront them alone, or we can go to them with great confidence and trust. I leave you with this little story from my retreat I had this year. I came to my retreat. I was mad. And usually when I'm mad, something good's going to happen. I don't know why that is. And I went in, and I kneeled down, and I said, I'm mad, Jesus. And he said, what are you mad about? I said, everything. I said, look at the world. It's a mess. You got ISIS burning people in cages, killing children, beheading people. Our economy's falling apart, the moral decay of America. Our global economy's falling apart. Christianity's dying out. Where are you? And all I hear back is, 
I got this. I'm like, really? Because it doesn't look like you got this. It looks like you don't got this at all, in fact. And he said, let me ask you a question. I said, what? I said, look at the cross. So I looked at it. I said, what about it? He said, did it look like I had it there? I said, fair enough. Will you trust him? With the crosses that you carry, with your burdens, your pains, your sufferings, will you believe Jesus, give us unshakable faith.